see you on a Wednesday evening, and glad to be home. Thanks for praying as we uh, traveled a little bit up north, and I uh, wanted to send, my, send a, a greeting from our friends, the Jacksons, over in Bundaberg, especially as they had their anniversary this weekend, and appreciate the, the men and ladies who prayed. Um, good day, that high day, they, uh, they worked hard to get a, a good crowd in, about uh, 70 people. And, um, but the best thing about it was one was saved. So praise the Lord. Someone called on the Lord that day and uh, was preaching a gospel message that morning. And, um, and then my wife was able to lead uh, her to Christ. If you would pray for Melissa. They've been praying for her for a little while. Just the, She's been coming for about five weeks. And so they were just absolutely excited that the Lord spoke to her that day. And um, you know, I was, when I was preaching, I had the invitation. Um, I... I asked them to raise their hand if they wanted to accept Christ. And, you know, she raised her hand. She looked straight at me and she whispered, what do I do? <laughs> you know, so she was just ready and we're glad for that. And just continue to pray. Um, but again, pray for, for regional Australia. I know that on Sunday for you, you had your I Love, Australia's, our I Love Australia Sunday. And you probably saw the statistics around our nation and uh, some of the, the great needs in, in different um, different cities, populous areas, but there's certainly a great need in regional Australia. And my prayer is that in our church, uh, some of our young men and some of our, even our older men, might, uh, God might touch their heart and perhaps send them over uh, to a regional area. And so we're glad that we're home and looking forward to, uh, to just uh, being with you this weekend. And then if you could pray for us, we're heading over to Argentina uh, the U.S. and then Argentina for our missions trip with the Portillos, and we're looking forward to that. Um, we're leaving next week, and then the rest of the team will leave on Saturday. Uh, so we're looking forward to just being with the Portillos. And then uh, it's good to see Sister Marielle here, uh, our missionary, and I know she was with you this weekend, but it's the first time we, uh, myself and my family, got to see her. So we're excited to see her and glad that we could do that. Um, and so let's turn our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 23. It's also great to see the gears here. And drove in as they're, uh, they're heading over to, uh, to Benelan in the next couple of days. And so I'm glad that they can stop over in their one night here over in Sydney. And we're going to look at Proverbs 23 and look at Genesis chapter 2 as well. We'll turn to a few different places of Scripture. And I just wanted to give you a, a lesson tonight about developing a godly appetite. And I think sometimes when we look at... Uh, who we are as people, we, we understand that we have some uh, physical desires that, that God has inbuilt in us, and we understand how that, all of that works. We'll, we'll look at that in a little bit with uh, perhaps some of God's intent about that, but we also want to be careful not to allow um, just, just appetites to overcome us. And I think we understand from a physical point of view when we allow our appetites to control everything that we do, that, that there's certain, uh, certain, health, uh, certain health detriments that come out of that, that result from that. And it's a similar thing, really, when it comes to, it comes to just our, our appetites that in other areas that can be detrimental to us when we don't have that under God's control. And so I think the Scripture brings that out for us in Proverbs 23. Look at verse 1. The Bible says, When thou sittest to eat with a ruler... Consider diligently what is before thee, and put a knife to thy throat if thou be a man given to appetite. 
Be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. And so the, the Bible here in the book of Proverbs is warning us about one who is given to appetite. In fact, the, the Bible's careful to say there that it's serious enough that you, if, you, if you are one given to that, then you should put a knife to your throat. And, and we understand that God is using that as a bit of, a, um, as a bit of an illustration, uh, uh, something to, he, he's using it as an illustration to show us the, the seriousness of the matter. And yet what we see around us today is we live in a world that, that's really, by and large, just, just uncontrolled with their, with their appetites. And, and I'm saying that some of these appetites are God-given, but even in regard to that, we understand that God puts some limiters to that. Uh, just because you desire something doesn't automatically make it something that you should indulge in. And so let's look at that uh, together. Look at Genesis chapter 2 now. Genesis chapter 2, and um, look at this familiar story, of course, we know Adam and Eve, and right from the beginning, God um, highlights some things about uh, some natural desires that He has inbuilt in us, and, and He's given us certain appetites. Look at verses 16 to 17. So He, he takes the man and, and He puts him in the Garden of Eden. And notice what the Bible says about uh, the, what the Lord commands. He says, The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Now, that's a pretty good deal, isn't it? Uh, all of us here, we, uh, from time to time, we, we probably have been to an all-you-can-eat uh, kind of situation. And God's saying that to Adam. But then notice verse 17, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And so he balances that appetite of food, which we understand, we, we still have that, to saying there's certain things though that you shouldn't eat. So he's putting a limit there. And we understand from a physical point of view that, that we can eat as much as we'd like to, but whether that's a good thing or not is really been, been discovered for us. We understand that we shouldn't eat too much of certain things. They have health detriments, right? They then result in our bodies um, um, changing shape, if I can say it that way, changing, um, changing its ability to then perhaps uh, cause some energy or, or produce those right things in our body. Uh, notice another thing. So we see He's given us an appetite for food. Notice the next verse in verse 18. And the Lord God said... It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And so he names all the animals. But notice what happens in verse 21. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, made he woman, and brought her unto the man, and we know her as Eve. So we understand God understood something about Adam. There was a desire and an appetite for companionship. In fact, God said about Adam, it's not good for man to be alone. But, but we know later on, as, as we go through, and, and God unravels His will as far as marriage is concerned, that he limits that companionship to one man and one woman, correct? 
Right? The Bible still teaches that, right? And, and so we see that he then, even in, in regard to companionship, we can even take that to friendship. We understand that there's a need in us to want friends, but whether every friend is good, then God puts limiters about that. There's, there's certain friends that God warns us about, certain people that God says we shouldn't be around. And so, in fact, even in regard to this desire or appetite for companionship, He puts limiters. He puts those things there um, in regard to fellowship. And again, similarly to this, God in, in verses 26 to 27, there in chapter 1, he, he, he makes man in His own image. In fact, He says, after our likeness, and, and it, He says, so God created man in His image, in the image of God created He Him, Male and female created he them, and he, he, he understood man's need for, for a fellowship, a closeness to, with his creator, and yet even as we marvel at creation, we can sometimes forget to fellowship with the creator and instead marvel at his creation. We look at even our life calling, and, and later Adam is given uh, some of his, uh, his tasks, some of those things that really is part of the package of creation. He gave God, man a calling to, uh, to, in verse 28, he blessed them, and he said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And, and God made man with a life calling. You know, all of us here, we have ambition. Uh, we have a natural drive to want to achieve certain things. And I think God put that in man and put that in us so that, so that we can do things for Him. But again, when we, when we don't have that appetite under God's control, we just go after our own course. We just go after our own will. We just go after our own ambition without, that, without it being subdued to God's leading and God's purpose for our lives. So what I'm trying to demonstrate right now is, is yes, God inbuilt for us certain appetites that in of themselves are, are actually built in by God and God gave. But, but what about those? You know, understand again that you know, when it comes down to it, th there's certain things that God gave us in, paired with our appetites. And, and what I'm saying is firstly this, with those appetites, th there's a built-in purpose into each appetite. So, so for example, again, food, eating... We understand we need to eat, right? If you don't eat, you feel weak. If you don't eat, you, you don't have the energy to be able to do what you're supposed to do. And so, so eating and food sustains us. That's why we're, when we're hungry, we want to eat. It also strengthens us. There's a, there's a built-in purpose for that when we have that, that uh, desire for companionship. Again, God understands that within us, there's a need to belong. And God understands that there's a purpose for that. There's a purpose, and God outlines those purposes. But then also understand that there's a limit to each appetite or desire. Okay, remember, again, Adam was only given one wife. He could eat everything except for the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And he, uh, he, he warns us even uh, in, in Proverbs chapter 23, later on in that chapter, Verse 21, for the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. And he, so he warns about the, that excessiveness. You know, we don't often 
Uh, we often hear about being a drunkard, but notice in the same sentence he says being about a glutton. And you know, if, if we don't know anything about our world today, we have a world that's full of excess. And in fact, God's warning about being excessive with our food, with our eating. That's what gluttony is. And yet, we celebrate that, don't we? We sort of look at the, the poverty of the world, and, and yet in, in the same, uh, perhaps, broadcast, you'll see also within that, you'll see the, you know, the hot dog eating competition, or you know, and just, just celebration of man's gluttony. And we sort of look at that and go, wow, look at man's ability to go beyond the norm. But understand that God looks at all of that and He says, there's a limit. That's why we know it's a good thing for us to have a, a, a healthy diet where we're not overeating certain things. So, so God puts a limit, okay? He limits each appetite or desire, but then also there's a fulfillment in each appetite. Okay, Eve was to be a fulfillment of Adam's need. She was to be a help fitting meat for him. She was to be a completer of that and and God understood that, and so He provided for that. God provided for a way to meet man's appetite. He said, eat of every tree. So it's not like God was robbing man of his ability to fulfill those appetites. He just wants those appetites to be fulfilled His way. Does that make sense? And so we see then also that a misplaced appetite really then leads to destruction or a lack of satisfaction. We see later on in Genesis chapter 3 that the, the serpent comes and tempts Eve. And really all of those things that he appealed to were, were appealing to those God-given appetites. But what she did was rather than following after God's plan for fulfillment, she followed her own, uh, her own plan through the temptation. Okay, Satan tempted Eve using her God-given desires, but really it was misdirected. What it was, it was a poor substitute. In, in verses 17 to 19 of that cha chapter, we see that she did partake, but that satisfaction, it became temporary. There was a corresponding then consequence. There was a corresponding result that was less desirous of what she expected. And, and that's usually what happens when we comes down to it, when we allow a misplacement of our desires in, in its place of fulfillment. When we, find, when we find another way to fulfill the desires God gave us. You know, sometimes we, we look at our world today and we, uh, we, can, we can marvel at the great talents and all of that. Uh, we can look at the, some of the, the personalities that the world celebrates and we, we see man's abilities those God-given abilities. And yet, you, can, you, you can't help but, but wonder. I, I wonder how many of those perhaps knew about Christ or were, were Christians, and rather than using their abilities for God, they used their abilities for themselves. They, they had that desire that God gave them to use their abilities, but rather than using it for God, for His purpose, which is His part of fulfilling that, uh, that desire in your life, he used it for their, own, for their own selfish gains. And you know, sometimes we, we can be that way, and, and what, what happens is there's a misplaced appetite, and it leads to, to destruction or a lack of satisfaction. Um, you know, someone said it this way, I've learned that if you have a pig and a boy, and you give them everything they want, 
you'll get a good pig and a bad boy. And, you know, when we allow the, the excessiveness of our appetites to be fulfilled the wrong way, it always leads to destruction. And, you know, it's always been in God's design for man to have an appetite. However, when man fell, so man's appetite also became corrupted. And so in Romans 8, 7, the Bible says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. We see today that as the, the Bible describes the last days in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, we note there in verses three, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 to 4, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And he says, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. But notice how it starts in verse 2, the description of the last days, which I believe, as you observe, is, is quite evident where, where we're living. Notice where it starts. It's lovers of their own selves. And notice where it ends. It says lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. You know what that, this is really speaking about? It is really a world that's overrun by its own appetite. A world that just chases after whatever is placed in their heart, no matter how naturally given that is. It's excessive. And so the world today is, is obsessed with fulfilling their pleasure through through ungodly means. And that's why we look at a world today that, that's just drenched in, in the, the, the filth and the immorality of the world that we live in. And, and church, listen, Christians tonight, you know, we could, we could, we could misunderstand at times the, the time that we live in. We could look at the, all of the accessibility of all of that and think that we can just go ahead and take part. But understand that in, in God's mind and in God's design, He's always put a limit for us to fulfill our desires. And in fact, when we do that His way, that's when we truly find satisfaction. That's why He said in our opening, uh, opening passage that, you know, if, you, if you're a man given to appetite, then He says, put a knife to thy throat. He says, he says cut it off. He says, don't just live for pleasure. Some of you young people need to wake up tonight because all you think about is all that you want. And you, all you care about is about fulfilling those wants. In fact, you're driven every morning and you get up because all you want to do and all you want to achieve is all you think about. And you never get, take time to go, Lord, you've given me some desires, to, some drive. What do you want me to do with it? What do you want me to do with these abilities that you've given? What do you want me to do with these desires? And, and how is it that I'm, I am to best please you with these desires that you have put in me? And, and you know, the, here's a couple of principles I think that will help us develop a godly appetite really quickly. Firstly, you need to acknowledge that you have a corrupted appetite. You need to realize that, that, that all of that 
we're in a fallen state. And we understand that we have the new nature in, in Christ. If you're saved here tonight, you don't just have the old nature, you've got the new nature. But by the way, you've still got the old nature that's fallen. And you've still got to fight it. And you've still got to understand that there's two, there's, a, there's that battle raging in you. And you need to acknowledge that you have a corrupted appetite. In fact, Paul said in Romans chapter 7, verse 18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good? I find not. We know that chapter and, and that, that struggle, that inner struggle that even the Apostle Paul had about those desires and those, that, those things that he, he knew to do and could not do in his own strength. And so acknowledge that you have a corrupted appetite. Secondly, allow the Spirit to guide your appetites, not your flesh. And the Bible tells us to quench not the Spirit. The Bible tells us to delight ourselves in the Lord. And in fact, He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. And that's not saying that if you just delight in the Lord, that suddenly all of your desires, it's like a genie that makes your wishes come true. No, no, He's saying that He'll give you those desires. He'll give right desires. He'll give a right balance of that. He'll give the right limiting to that. He'll give the right direction to that. But you need to allow the Spirit to guide your appetites. You know, too many times, uh, too many times we allow the world to tell us what we ought to desire. Too many times we allow our flesh to indulge in its own desires. And we need to understand that we need to allow the Spirit of God. But then notice thirdly that we also need to abolish the opportunities for our flesh to be fed. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, and we'll hurry along here this evening. Galatians chapter 5, we want to take a bit of time to pray. In verse 13, he says, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. He's saying don't, don't use that liberty that you have in Christ as an occasion to the flesh. Skip down to verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So, so the emphasis here is don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Don't fulfill those, those desires that can uh, overrun you. He's saying don't, don't do that. And the way to do that is you walk with the Spirit. It says, for the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. And so he goes on, he speaks about the works of the flesh. Now, skip down to verse 24 and 25. Notice what he says, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And so he's saying that, that these two things are contrasting and he's saying you need to reckon or, or choose to walk in the Spirit and not allow the lust of the flesh to come about. Because he's saying the results of that, and we didn't read the verses in verses 19 right down to verse 21. We know verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit. All of those things are products of that choice that we make. And the reality of that is this, church. You know, if we would walk in the Spirit, which we, by the way, we have the ability to when we're new creatures in Christ, those things that, that the Spirit produces in our lives will become, the, become those things that we look for and desire. 
And so you need to abolish the opportunities for your flesh to be fed. We need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And then fourthly, we need to associate ourselves with others who have a godly appetite. You know, part of the reason sometimes we, um, we, uh, we, don't, we indulge in the wrong things is because we're around people who indulge around the wrong things. You know, we, we, sometimes, we sometimes forget, even as adults, that there's still this such a thing as peer pressure. It's not just something that we ought to preach to and talk about with our young people. In fact, we ought to be mindful of it. And we ought to think about that. And we need to get around those who have a godly appetite. All right? Iron sharpeneth iron. Uh, for they that are, in, in Romans 5, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Hey, listen. If you've got friends who are around you that are, are, are feeding you the wrong appetites, giving you the wrong desires, then you need, to, you need to quit being their friend. You need to no longer be around them so much. You need to understand that, that those appetites can become, uh, can, become, uh, the, can become consequences in your life. But then fifthly, we need to apply God's recipe for satisfaction. If we're going to develop a godly appetite, we're going to need to apply God's recipe for satisfaction. That means sometimes we need to understand that, again, where God limits we also limit ourselves. Where God allows, we ought to allow ourselves. All right? And then lastly, really quickly, we need at times to afflict our natural appetites. And you know, sometimes the, the best way is, is to, to afflict ourselves. You know what that is? Look at Ezra chapter 8. Ezra chapter 8. And notice verse 21. Here it is in verse 21. They were at a juncture they needed to hear from God. It says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of Him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. And they were at a point where they needed to hear from God. They needed God's direction. They needed to, to heighten their spiritual senses. And you know what he called for, and, and we see this pattern all over Scripture, he called for a fast. You know what a fast is? Is the denying your natural inclination for, for something. It's food. Um, for, for a married couple, the physical relationship for a time. It's at times sleep in the Bible. And all of those things that are desire, desirable and, and not necessarily bad things, but what we're doing is we're, we're putting away the natural, physical desires so that we can be more closely acquainted to the spiritual desires that we ought to have. And here's what I want to say to you. You know, if you're struggling with, with having wrong desires or excessive desires, then, then you need to afflict yourself. You get to the point, you know, if you're, you're struggling to have a real prayer life, then, then maybe you need to take a bit of time or maybe ask someone else to, to fast and help. Because fasting is afflicting those natural desires. You know, Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. He, he said that man shall not live by bread alone. And he understood that, that even as he set us an example that 
you know, to, to make do without helps hide in other good desires. And tonight, I, w- I just want to encourage us, you know, as we head into this year, um, you know, we've come through a time, summer, sometimes we're, we're off our schedule, and now we're getting back into the year. And maybe over the course of that, you've, you've sort of just wandered away from having good desires. Then, then, you know, understand this, you know, you come to a place of just surrendering those desires, surrendering right desires, surrendering every desire to the Lord, and allowing Him to help you again develop, you know, a godly appetite. You know, sometimes we, we forget that we're on a journey, that we have to develop things in the spiritual life. You know, if you're, if you're desiring wrong things and, and you're trying to get victory over that, then you need to start thinking about and, and applying yourself to desiring the right things. And it takes a step. It takes you maybe saying no to that thing and then replacing it with the right thing. And, and I hope that tonight that you would just, just choose again. And again, I'm talking to the Wednesday night crowd. We're going to pray in a little while. But I, I pray that you know, all of us here tonight would just, would just develop godly appetites in our life. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, again for tonight. And Father, thank you for, for everyone here, their faithfulness. Thank you that we get to really, Lord, as a, as a church, come together and, and call out to you of our needs. Thank you for that precious gift. And I pray that you'd help us even tonight as we, um, Lord, as we continue on in prayer, Lord, to be aligned to you in, in, in those desires. And So we love you, Lord. Thank you for tonight in Jesus' name.